Thank you for listening to Video Games and Comedy Show. You know what I was thinking? What a time to be alive, huh? We can't go anywhere or, or do anything. And I know there are all these fans of Video Games and Comedy Show out there who are just practically begging, is there any more content, any more bonus shows? A mere second of bonus content from this show, I'd pay a handsome fee for. A king's ransom, no less. Well, you know what, listener? You're in luck. Video Games A Comedy Show, Call Me By Your Game with Connor McCabe, and Inside Video Games with July Diaz have teamed up under one umbrella to make all of your podcasting dreams come true. If, of course, those dreams were more shows by us, the creators of these shows, patreon.com slash super NPC radio has got you covered. Hours of additional content by all of the creators of these shows can be found starting at just $5 a month, including a brand new weekly podcast called Super NPCs hosted by myself and Connor McCabe, where we take a deep dive into specific games, developers, or game-related topics of our choosing. We've already covered Super Mario Bros. on the NES, Halo Combat Evolved for the original Xbox, and of course, Sonic Adventure for the Sega Dreamcast. You can also find shows like Call Me By Your Game Co-op, Resident Evil Book Club, and whatever the hell July Diaz is going to do. So if you like this show, if you appreciate this show, and you want to show that appreciation, and you want a little little uh, something something in return go to patreon.com slash super mpc radio we got you covered now please enjoy video games a comedy show Coming to you live this morning from the Spencer Mansion, deep in the heart of Raccoon Forest, on the outskirts of Raccoon City. This is Video Games a Comedy Show. I'm your host, Jeremy Shiver Me Timbers. And uh, we got a we got a fun episode planned for y'all today. As most of you know, I got this creepy letter in the mail that says I had won a mansion and uh, please come record your record your radio show here and you know like a total idiot I did I, I, I went right I went right to the mansion very excited and uh, well it's haunted of course it's haunted why would I think it wouldn't be haunted it's October I don't know but I got here it was completely abandoned there's no, every every five minutes or so there's some sort of horrible shrieking sound I can't locate the source of it And of course it's cold. It's always cold in here. It's cold and drafty. There's no, I, I light a fire every night. I light, I light a fire in the fireplace. That thing, it's like, where's the heat going? It must just be going straight up because it's not going out into the room. Uh, but I can't leave. Too scary. Too scary to leave. Anyways. We have a, uh, an episode dedicated completely to Bloodborne today. Uh, so to help me with this is uh, pretty much the only uh, the only hunter I know, the only person the only person in our in our crew who I think has who has finished the game Bloodborne, uh, Jacques Maladou. How are you doing, my good hunter? Well, now I'm freezing. 
Hey, do you mind if I close this window? Yeah, please. Okay. <sighs> I mean, it just gets so stuffy. It's like when the window's closed, it's stuffy. When the window's opened, it's 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 wet. Yeah. And and you know, you're you're always damp. Yeah, it's dank uh, in the bad way. It's dank in a bad way. Hey, why don't we go ahead and play this for you? My name's Sonic. <laughs> uh, welcome to the show. Uh, I'm so excited to have you on today. We we discussed doing an episode about Bloodborne in honor of October, the spookiest, scariest month of all time. Yeah. Um, I think we, Bloodborne is like probably, if I'm being quite honest, it's probably the, one of the scariest video games ever made. Um, yeah, a hundred percent. It's like, and there are some jump scares, but it's like atmospherically and everything. It just kind of comes together and it's like, it's so, the difficulty. It's so scary. I know it, you know, I've been reading a lot of lists of like scariest video games of all time. And I think people are just not considering it. You know what right. I mean? Like, I think I think for the most part, people just don't really... They think of it as, like, maybe an action game or, like, a Dark Souls game or, like, it's really not. It really is a horror video game. Every enemy you face is, is some sort of variation of, like, a horror creature. <laughs> yeah, it's very disturbing, at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is probably my favorite video game of all time. I mean, maybe Final Fantasy VII for nostalgia's sake, but it's up there for me. I... I've never been able to talk at great length on this show about Bloodborne because a nobody people who have played it haven't gotten very far or nobody's interested because they haven't played it at all. Um, right. Yeah. Alec Robbins, friend of the show, loves Bloodborne and uh, by his own admission sucks at it and has never been able to to beat it. So every year he plays about another like hour into the game, gets a little farther <laughs> and then gets hits a wall. And right. I believe the wall he's at right now is the Dark Beast Parl. You remember that boss? <laughs> is that the electric one? Yes. Yeah. That's a tough one. Yeah. It's a it's a tough one. I mean, if he would have said literally any boss, I would be like, yeah, it makes sense. That's a <laughs> that's tough a boss. tough one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. Um, it's true. So I cannot wait to talk about it. There's so much about Bloodborne that we we could potentially discuss, and I am ready to talk about any amount of it. I know we sure. can't discuss all of it because there's just too much in that game to possibly cover in one episode of a podcast. Absolutely. Um, but I think that uh, I'm interested to see where this conversation takes us because I am going to not necessarily let you lead, but I, we're going to, we're going to do it organically. So there's no, there's no, um, like, uh, itinerary to get through, you know, if we end up talking more about story, that's cool. If we end up talking more about gameplay and mechanics, that's fine too. Or atmosphere. Like it's all, it's all gravy to me. I think it's all very interesting and I, and I'm just kind of obsessed with every element of it. Yeah. Um, some some great like uh, resources out there for people who love Bloodborne and want more from the game. If if you played it and beat it, I would say um, uh, Veti Vidya has like this amazing YouTube channel that like explains like everything about the game uh, using like uh, a recorded video from the game. Um, also, uh, there's this amazing there's this amazing uh, what's it called like a uh, a, com- a complete uh, and bloodborne analysis uh, paper that somebody wrote um, wow. called "The Pale Blood Hunt," 
finalized. You can find it on Reddit. It's uh, done by a user named Redgrave. And it is a it is like the most comprehensive like analysis paper on it. It's probably it's like the size of like a short book. Um, wow, cool. And it's like, yeah, there's just so much in there that's so great. Uh, one thing I really love about the game is that if you like it and you want more of it, there is more there for you to have. Like there's no end to how much you could research. And uh, like, it really rewards looking closer and even deeper uh, to the, to the various layers that the game has a part of it. Like, there's like the initial story. There's the story you're playing. There's all the lore behind that story. The, it's just it just goes really deep, and so um, you can get really lost in it. Uh, Absolutely. But all that's gonna come in our main event later. Jacques <laughs> Maladieu, I gotta hear from my buddy. What have you been playing? All right. Um, well, most recently I was playing the Bloodborne DLC, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which I got through. Uh, yeah, and it was you did awesome. you did beat uh, the I orphan. Beat the, Orphan, who is so hard. Ooh. That's a tough oh. one. Um, yeah, it's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, wow, I think the DLC was actually like more fun than the regular game. Even it seemed yeah. like a perfect like extension of the game. And like you, yeah. you told me in advance, like the environments. I love the fishing village. We'll get into that. Um, yeah. What else? Uh, I did Super Mario uh, sixty four. Um, which I'm sure we've talked about ad nauseum on this show, but that was still great. Oh yeah, baby. <laughs> talk about at talk about atmosphere. <laughs> Environmental storytelling for sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So good. Um, I mm. actually started sunshine, but sometimes I don't like to play the games of the type back to back. So I'm actually going to no, like for sure pull back and let, let me rest on that. Um, I just yeah. downloaded Hades, but I haven't dove in. Oh. I'm so excited. Oh, no. Man, okay. I can't. I, once you're in it, I'm gonna have you back on. We might even do a full Hades episode. I think it's one of the. Uh, speaking of best games ever made, I think it might be one of the best games ever made. So wow. Okay, cool. I'm so like. But here's yeah. what happened. I downloaded it, and then I was like, oh, I never really actually played Enter the Gungeon, which I have sitting on my Switch. So then I started mm. playing that, and I was like, oh, this is fun. Maybe I'll like enjoy this for a minute. Um, sure. I think that minute's not going to be terribly long, but uh, still fun. Uh, yeah. And I kind of just didn't want to dig into Hades because I was still beating Bloodborne. Like I beat the DLC right. yesterday. Right. And so I think maybe right after this podcast, I'm going to uh, <laughs> jump into Hades. <laughs> Hell yeah, buddy. Excited. Yeah. How about you? Well, um, so I've been bouncing around to a, a number of different things. Uh, the first thing I'll, I'll t- I want to talk about is Hades just, just for a minute. Like, I might be being a little hyperbolic by saying it's one of the best games ever made. It's definitely like um, it really scratches an itch that I didn't even think I wanted. It also like it, it does something to the genre of like roguelikes that I think has never really been done before. And that like it really makes story matter, which is typically not a thing in roguelikes. Yeah, you know? definitely not. Um, you know, and I know you're a roguelike fan. I mean, you just mentioned Enter the Gungeon, but also you're you're big into the Breach guy. Did I you lo- ever play Dead Cells? I've like played a couple rounds on it, but I never owned it. Um, okay. D- Dead Cells is like a very similar type uh, progression to Hades. Right. But I think Hades is just like, it's just like so well designed. Every weapon in the game feels really f- like good to use. It like feels really f- nice. 
I, I, the story is really good. Everyone is like, this is going to sound crazy, but like everyone is so hot in that game. Like <laughs> every character is the hottest person you've ever seen. Um, it, it's weird that like a game in 2020 that's about Greek mythology, you'd think I'd be like burnt out on Greek mythology and they right. found a way to make it so interesting in a world where we have a God of God of war and fucking, uh, Assassin's Creed, uh, not origins, but the next one that was a Troy starring about. Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. Troy starring Brad Pitt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ha- Hades played by James Woods and Hercules. <laughs> um, humanitarian James Woods. Yeah. Uh, humanitarian James Woods. I heard a, a fun thing about, it seems like the writing's really good in the game, right? Yeah. Uh, I heard like, um, so I'm a big fan just to be like really cool of the Camus essay myth of Sisyphus. And it's mm-hmm. about how like Sisyphus, because of like pushing the rock up, he like eventually he had to be like, all right, I found some enjoyment in this. Otherwise, it's like the worst life ever. And apparently mm-hmm. that's just like coincidentally, like where the writer of this game went with Sisyphus too. they were like, yeah, I was, he was like kind of arrogantly like, yeah, I guess I arrived at the same thing philosophically as Camus. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you gotta um, love it. Speaking of. Uh, that's so cool. I mean, Sisyphus is such a great character in this game. I think you're really gonna. I think you're gonna have fun discovering some of these classic characters in another way. Cool. Um, I'm excited. Like Medusa is really cool in it. Um, obviously, Hades. Hades is not what you're gonna expect. I'll tell you that right now. Like when you meet him, it's 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 just like everything is like way more fun i think than you think the game is gonna be like it's it's got a good energy to it but sweet i also wanted to mention that like the writer of the game or one of the writers of the game claimed that they wrote three hundred thousand lines of dialogue <laughs> for the game and th- so oh that's those God. are unique lines of dialogue <laughs> um that's and and like people who played the game like have got done like hundreds of rounds on it claim to have never heard the same piece of dialogue twice. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. That's it's, nuts. it's, it's a, it's a very dense game. Um, and, and honestly it's one, it's a great pickup and play as most roguelikes are. You could just like pick it up, put it down. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. I feel like I've never um, really heard of a roguelike with like really good story. Really? I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe I don't know, but like into the breach definitely has a shallow story. You know? Yeah, or or it's like there's like implied story or something like right. Um, it's a world. It doesn't really, yeah, it doesn't really super matter. But uh, this makes the story like really count. Like the whole the whole thing about you being a god or playing as gods is like they're immortal. So like it actually is baked into the premise that like there's like a logic to why you have to do multiple runs because it's oh, like it's smart. Yeah. Yeah, you, you can go out and get killed and then come back like, yeah, I've fucked up. I got killed. Anyways, I'm going to go back out there again. It's like it's it's almost treated like another day at the office, you know? Yeah. It sounds like a good comment on the futility of life. Oh, and I wish there were more because honestly, <laughs> I'm sick of it. These these pro pro lifers out there, you know, I'm I'm pro death. Uh, so. Uh, that's one game I've been really playing. Um, I've also, you know, I 100% in 64 in 3D All-Stars. I beat Sunshine um, as be- as much as I want to beat it, you know. Right. Um, I don't want to I don't want to get everything in that game. And I'm doing Galaxy and uh, right now and very slowly going through Galaxy because uh, I'm finding that like I'm not really enjoying it. 
that much? Are the planets too small? <laughs> I remember that annoying me that like the planets would be so small. You'd be like, where's the platforming? Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, it's it to me, it's like a really weird game to play right after Mario Sunshine. Mm-hmm. Because Mario Sunshine, like for all of its problems, has maybe the most... It's like the most free you are as Mario doing acrobatics. Like he's right. he controls the most tightly of any of the Marios. Like 64 is obviously really good too, but Sunshine like you're able to do like spinning backflips and stuff like uh very seamlessly. It feels like an extension of your fingers awesome. or something. Uh, uh Galaxy is like it's like Mario feels like he weighs more and mm. he's not as fast and it just feels like a lot more confined right. and th- and because of that it like stars end up like taking longer to get <laughs> like because i just can't like get up platforms <laughs> fast enough like it ends up just feeling like a really slow and it's also famously easy so it's like a really slow very easy game ah. uh that doesn't really control as tightly. I, I remember Super Mario Galaxy 2 being my preferred one. Interesting. Um, so, uh, I, you know, it's not like I'm having no fun with Galaxy. It's just like, it's just like, oh, wow. Like the all-star games kind of declined in the order that they were released. <laughs> like, <laughs> like 64 and then Sunshine's a little worse. And then Galaxy just seems like a little worse. And, and maybe right. like, maybe... It's better on the Wii because I don't remember it being like I don't remember having like this many problems with it on the Wii. So um, I don't know. That's interesting. Know. Yeah, it was so fun when it came out. I remember. I think so. Yeah, but um, I, I beat it. But I think I feel like sixty four. I appreciated that there were just like hard stars. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, some of these are really tough. Yeah. Oh, dude. Any of those hundred coin ones? Forget it. Oh my forget god. It. Yeah. Um, and the last thing I'll talk about is uh, Luigi's Mansion. I've been playing the original Luigi's Mansion, little oh, nice. Halloween spooky, scary game. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's delightful. You know, I've never played the first one before, so it's really fun to like go through and uh, see what that game's all about. It's famously really short, which is cool. Again, I am trying to get through more horror type games as the month um, as the month goes on. I love Halloween. I'm very excited to be in this season. And, uh, and yeah, we'll see what I can, what I'm able to get through. It seems like time is kind of getting away from me a little bit in a way where I like, I expected to even be farther along in my horror journey and, uh, you know, keep turning on Mario galaxy instead, <laughs> which is <laughs> not scary at all. Nah. Um, cool. All right. Well, let's get into the news a little bit. Shall we? Let's do it. Video games cannot be stopped, won't be stopped, nothing will stop them. Sega might make a Dreamcast Mini. <laughs> really? Yeah, well, I mean, so there's this interview with a uh, with a producer over at Sega, and, and apparently they're, they're interested in working on a new uh, retro style console and uh the producer was like yeah you know we're we're interested in doing this uh we liked the mega drive mini we thought it was we thought it was cool uh so we can do you know who knows maybe the next one will be an sg 1000 mini or maybe it'll be a dreamcast mini and the whole internet was just like 
It's not. I, we will not accept an SG one thousand. So, uh, oh, man, all of the all of the headlines read. You know, Dreamcast. Mini. <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> man, that's how, that would be uh, so cool. Yeah, and you can burn your what own little you, mini uh, discs. Uh, oh, dude, I love that. Like, there's still <laughs> piracy is still allowed on it. Uh, it's so authentic. Uh, what would I be? Would we- I I would want to play Crazy Taxi. I'd want to play Jet Grind mm-hmm. Radio. Yeah. Um, what else did I play? Uh, Marvel vs. Capcom Two. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. A lot of games though. Yeah, maybe try you Shenmue. At, you at Shenmue. You've played that, right? No. No, you haven't. You you guys were a, a Sega house though. You were a Dreamcast house, right? Yeah, had a Dreamcast. Um, I think that was the first console that I bought. You know what I mean? That I was like, oh, cool. This is like mine. It wasn't like a present or it wasn't my brother's. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, yeah, I loved it. And the, yeah. yeah, the burning games was the best. Yeah. Also, like it, you could just like burn a thing of ROMs and just play Super Nintendo games on it. <laughs> you yeah. know, this is a piracy <laughs> podcast, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, okay, we good. are famously pro piracy here. Okay, good. Um, one of the scariest things that could ever happen is letting a game be forgotten <laughs> so emulation nice. is uh is key to that uh what would you want to play yeah i think I, oh, definitely with the games you mentioned those are all timers definitely the sonic adventure games also yeah they'd have to be on there for sure i'd, I'd want to play uh definitely soul caliber yeah um definitely soul caliber man that first game it still looks really nice today cool yeah, yeah, I haven't. I I think I played the first two, and then I haven't played any since then. But I dug them. Yeah, that first game. I mean, you look, you, see, you look, go ahead and like watch videos of it, and it's just like, wow, this looks like it could have been made yesterday. It's awesome. like such a pretty game. Um, nice. You know, there's a lot of stuff on the Dreamcast. I think I might want. I like the Dreamcast a lot. Oh, definitely like uh, Space Channel Five. I, I'm a big fan of Space Channel. 5. I never played that one actually. I always wanted to. Yeah, it's cool. It's like it's like a um, Parappa the Rapper kind of right kind of vibe. Nice, nice. Journalists are saying the Xbox Series X gets really hot, quote unquote, <laughs> like a fireplace. <laughs> Great writing. Great writing, journalists. <laughs> hot like a fireplace. <laughs> what do you think about that? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like it's too hot. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, too hot. Yeah, I don't want that. Um, I, I want it to be as hot, hot as hot like a fire. I want it to be as hot as a fireplace in your haunted mansion. That's how hot I yeah. want it to get. Which is cold. Famously cold. <laughs> Famously cold. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'd rather. What would you rather? Uh, your console get really hot or be really loud? <laughs> I guess hot, but that always makes me afraid that it's gonna like break. Um. Mm-hmm. But I, I I don't like it when they're really loud. I know bold take. Don't like it when it's like really loud. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I uh, let's see here. Oh, we didn't talk about this. I think they announced it this week, though. It was the S- Minecraft's Steve is now in Super Smash Bros. It looked awesome. Yeah, it looked like a really cool. Like they had done some really cool game design tweaks to accommodate the Minecraft stuff. 
Yeah. Was the idea that every Smash character will appear as Minecraft in that level? I don't know. I, I just saw, I saw Kirby as Minecrafty, and I was, but I guess mm. maybe he could just suck up Alex and become that. That's what maybe, yeah, maybe I'm, maybe that's what it is. Are mm. the other um, it's like it's like Steve and Alex, and then there's Zombie, and then like a an an Ender's game. <laughs> What's it called? <laughs> uh, Probably not, sure. not Ender's game. Um. Yeah, is the idea that they're all like shadow fighters of each other? Yes, I think that's the idea. Okay. It's I think like Alex is the one who's going to be like on display, and then you can kind of pick mm. between them. Yeah. Did you see? Um, cool. Did you see they announced this morning which PS4 games won't be backwards compatible? And talked about that. I, I did. Um, it is it is a very short list. Yeah, and definitely games. I have I've, this weird thing. Where I just randomly what? fall asleep mid. Yeah, that it's was an a, ad that played. <laughs> it didn't seem like any games that I was either familiar with or cared about. Yeah. Or like I'd heard of them. That is. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm exci- I hadn't heard of any of them. Yeah. Really. I'm excited because I like specifically. And they said you can take your data from the PS4 games to the PS5. And mm-hmm. I am um, because I want to play Bloodborne some more on PS5. And I would love yeah. to be able to take my data with me for replays and stuff. Yeah, that's. That seems like pretty key in 2020, like pretty clutch that yes. you're able to do that. Like I, I don't think I don't know if they're going to be able to get away with, um, you know, we bought all these games online and now we can't play them anywhere, right? For very much longer. I think they're going to have to keep accommodating that. Like, yeah, Nintendo. I can't will imagine do it that in two in two generations yeah. it'll do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Nintendo will be probably the slowest about it, but I'm thinking that like now that they have like the Switch, how painful would that be if they had a new console with a different online shop? Yeah, that would be so oh. insulting. I have so many PS4 games by the way. Like I think the list of games that I've either gotten through PS Plus or bought since the PS4 came out in like 2014 I think it's like 300. It's over 300 games I have. Yeah. It's so many games. Um, Yeah. It's like, uh, and and, and these are games like most of them, like I would never, I probably will never ever play. Right. Yeah. But it's like. You've added three Hitman games because they were free on (laughs) PS Plus and you're just like never going to play any of them. Totally. Yeah. Anytime there's a free game on PS Plus, I always nab it. Right. You know, um, so yeah, I it was pretty key to me that like the PS5 be able to play all those, you know. Right. It seems like something that should definitely have happened. I'm just still like happy that they didn't screw it up. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. And, you know, I'm looking at GameSpot uh and one of these articles, the the headline is uh that PS uh hold on one second, sorry. You know these websites are really fucked up. <laughs> That's the thing about websites. The thing about websites is they're full of ads and they're really fucked up. Uh, PS5 backwards compatibilities game boost improves some of the PS4 games. Nice. Does that sound nice? That does sound nice. I was wondering if like load times would be faster even on the old PS4 games. Yeah. You know, like I, cause I never had a pro. Me neither. So I never got to experience like what some of these games look like running at a locked 60 or 
right or with with improved resolution i never saw what control looked like if it ran properly you know what i mean like totally i don't don't know what that's like yeah that's that is so interesting yeah i'm really excited to see because you know xbox has been doing that for years where they've been like they do work to their backwards compatibility games for example like i think final fantasy 13 like went in and like restored like basically like remastered the game through Mm. backwards compatibility so when you put your 360 disc in your xbox one it's like looks better than ever it plays better than ever wow um and I think that like that is a that's a cool way of pr- like game doing game preservation. Absolutely, you know? yeah. I'm sure there's this compression process that happens at the end of the design where they like actually like reduce things and make things smaller. And then mm-hmm. it seems like if they actually I don't know anything, but like if they save all the data <laughs> at that point before the compressing, it seems like what you're saying makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. All um all good all good stuff all good news yeah still haven't been able to secure an xbox series x i want I'm, I'm i'm trying to get that all access thing where you pay monthly for it right uh but i i'm i'm i can't believe that in one month i'm gonna have a ps5 in my that, house that seems crazy like it's too soon honestly (laughs) and as soon as you get it i'm going to abandon my like pro mask policy and be like nah dude it's (laughs) cool to hang out inside together i don't see what the deal is (laughs) like i don't know what you're talking about yeah yeah you're gonna get like a real bad attitude about it (laughs) that's so funny don't let the virus Um, dominate your life jeremy come on man (laughs) exactly and I'm such a pushover. I'll be like, I, I mean, Jock said it's okay. I, I don't I want to be friends. Uh, I want to be friends. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I can't. I can't wait. Um, I need to do. I need to go back on the VGA comedy show thread and and check in to see who all has secured a pre order for that thing. Because I know you haven't yet. I have not. And no. I, I don't think Connor or Stevens has either. No, I know. Um, I think Hearn has and PJ has. Did July get mm-hmm. one? I think Jul- July seems like the type of guy who would have one. Yes, <laughs> he does. Yeah. McCaller, sure. I'm, I need to check in with McCaller, but he oh, might yeah. not. Huh. I don't know. Nick Castan. I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I need to go check in. Yeah. Yeah. It does seem crazy that it's next month. I know. It's That's awesome. It's going to be wild. I mean... This is going to make, I don't know if it sounds sad or good or what, but you know, a lot of my life has been punctuated by like what console is out at the time, you know, like, yeah, it's like, it's like, oh yeah, that was the, you know, like the nineties. That was when I had my N64 and my super Nintendo. Right. Um, you know, I, I can kind of like tell time when by like what, what I was playing maybe at the time. And, uh, so it's a big deal when one of these comes out. I mean, it's for like, sure, you know, the, the all of the dialogue changes to focusing on these things now this console the way it operates right you can take away your shortcut to ps4.ign.com and change it to ps5.ign.com <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's exciting oh yeah oh yeah very exciting um so we got these two switch games coming out that are the only thing we know that Nintendo's really doing for Christmas, 
It's yeah. one of them is the Hyrule Warriors Calamity Ganon thing, Calam- Age of Calamity. And the other one is Pikmin 3, the mm-hmm. Wii U port. Um, are either of those exciting to you? Are you going to get either one of those? I, I don't think so. I know they just came out with the demo today of Pikmin. I've never played one of those games, so I might mm-hmm. try the demo and see if it strikes me as fun. But I don't think yeah. that I don't think the Hyrule Warriors as cool as it looks. I just don't think it's my kind of game. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to Alec about Muso games, and we were saying like, I've they're really big in Japan, mm. but I for some reason like I've never I guess I've never really played one, so I can't really speak to it. But like, it doesn't seem like something I would like at all. <laughs> <laughs> It seems like you rent uh, it. It seems like a classic rental. Y- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like Dynasty Warriors was always a rental game. Right. Yeah. Know? I don't need to own that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I don't know what about this one. Uh, Pikmin 3, I think I am going to get, but that's more because of a sickness I have than, uh, <laughs> than I actually want to play it, you know? Um did you try uh, Super Mario 35, by the way? Um, I played it a couple times, and I was bad at it, and then yeah. I uh, I stopped. I'm still curious. I might come back to it again. What about you? Yeah. Yeah, I played it a few times, right? I think I'm, I think I'm at, like, level... Whatever the levels mean. I'm right. at, like, level 20 um, nice. now, which I don't think is very high, but it's, like... You know, that's that's like it's probably playing it like 17 times, you know, like 17 runs of it. Right. I think it's like Tetris 99 is obviously like the killer app as far as those games are concerned. But for sure. But this game is like it's fun. It's interesting. Um, I, I, I feel like I didn't quite get it for a while. Like when I was yeah. playing it, I was like. I was like, so am I supposed to be killing all these things or like bypass? Am I supposed to be running through the level the fastest? Like right. what, what am I supposed to be doing? You know? Yeah. It was, it um, didn't, it didn't, there was no way to find out either within the game what you were supposed to do, which mm-hmm. like, at least with Tetris, you just like play Tetris and then that's 99% yeah. of the game. Whereas this one, it was <laughs> yeah. like, I didn't understand, but um, yeah. Yeah. I think um, what people are saying is, it is about killing enemies because when you kill an enemy, you send that enemy to another player. Right. So you're, you're, you're supposed to just go really slow through the game, killing every single enemy you can. And, uh, if you kill a Bowser, you send that Bowser to another person and that's fun. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a fun idea. I think I I don't really love the original super Mario brothers. Like not to sound super sacrilegy, Mm -hmm. but I like, I don't really like running around and jumping as Mario in that game that much. Right. I think it's right. like ultimately wouldn't it, why. Wouldn't it be better if it was Mario 3? Exactly. That'd be so fun. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe they'll maybe they'll they'll do that down the road. The 30 or 29th anniversary of Super Mario Brothers 3. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe they'll I mean maybe they'll just add more levels to this or more modes. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, that's all the news I care about. Anything else you uh, you chewing on over there? Nah, I ain't chewing on nothing. <laughs> well, let's close this out. Oh, wait, no. There we go. Sorry, I had it on mute because GameSpot.com was playing an ad. Um, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back... Me and Jacques are going to talk all things Bloodborne. 
I ca- cannot be more excited about this. It is literally a dream come true. So stay tuned. Ah, cars. Or some say cosmos. This is Connor McCabe, almost good boy and host of the nostalgic video game podcast, Call Me By Your Game. Call Me By Your Game is a show where I bring on a guest and interview them about a video game from their past that is near and dear to their heart. We talk as much about what they love about that particular game as we do what was special about the context of when they played it. Do you love Spyro the Dragon because it was a way you bonded with your dad over Christmas break in third grade? Do you love Metal Gear Solid because it was the first time you had agency in a game? Or do you love Skyrim because you took an arrow to the knee? Hopefully not that last one. Everyone has that one video game that started something for them or brings them back to a special time in their life, and this podcast is about those stories. If this sounds like something for you, then check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify anytime. Heck, maybe someday you'll join the show and call me by your game. And welcome back! To video games, a comedy show. I'm your host, Jeremy Schmidt. I'm here with Jacques Maladou, a Titan member of the Zoo Tycoon crew. Seek the pale blood and transcend the hunt, my man. Yeah, you right. Yeah, you uh you blew through Bloodborne. It seems like it really uh, really grabbed you this time for whatever reason. And yeah. uh and uh, yeah, you got through the entire game, including the DLC. So you are primed and ready to have a, uh, I feel like a, a decent discussion about the game, dude. It's gonna be a barn burner. It's gonna be a barn burner, dude. It's gonna. I was. I was. Uh, fair warning to the listener: a, this is a spoiler podcast. So like, we're gonna spoil right. so many things. That being said, I do want to. One addendum to that is like I think all from software games don't matter if you spoil them. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's the, yeah. No, definitely, I don't think there's actually a way you could spoil this game. It's like yeah. the story is the story is is good and interesting. We're going to get into all of it, but it's like there aren't really spoilers. No, and I think that um, if anything, hearing about the game and like what the game has to offer it might only entice you to play it as opposed to... And that's what it did for me. When I looked up spoilers for the game as I was playing the game, it only made me want to play the game more. Because I think experiencing those things is more important than knowing what they are. 100%. Um, Yeah. So, uh, but that being said, there are like big, huge, you know, uh, spoilery things about it. There are things that you could definitely spoil surprises and stuff, but again, experiencing them is so clutch and so key. Right. Um, it, it's hard to know even where to start when talking about Bloodborne, right? Like it's such a, it's such an intense experience. Um, for sure. I guess like, uh, I, I, I want to make a, I want to 
say a quick thing that I, I was thinking about Bloodborne. That's kind of a new thought I've had uh, in the wake of like 2020 and things that have been going on like culturally. But like Bloodborne is like it's like it's like really apropos for the things going on in our in our world today, right? Like the whole game is predicated upon like a sickness that like swept over a community and like just crushed them. And Absolutely. it's also a huge comment on like um, religion and colonization and uh, you know, an unchecked police state is sort of like, those are all themes that like so flow through the DNA of Bloodborne. Um, yeah. The people like, in Yarnum really, <laughs> and the world. Yeah. Go ahead. No, 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 go, no, no, please. That's what I was saying. Like people are hiding behind doors. They don't want to come out. They don't want to let you in. Everyone's hiding mm-hmm. from each other and it's separate. And it's yeah. very, it definitely feels like a period of isolation and quarantine happening in the game. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And, and it, they're quarantined from an actual sickness that like it, that infects their blood and turns them into monsters. And the, the player character is literally playing like, a cop whose basic job is to go around and like, <laughs> and take out beasts to hunt down beasts. Um, they're, right. and, and like they're, they're, they're literally sponsored by the church who, uh, <laughs> who would, would rather see, um, would rather see, you know, this, this problem taken care of, uh, one area of, of the city, they completely just burned to the ground because they, because it was, uh, they considered it a lost cause. There's also illusion, like, like, uh, descriptions in the game about certain members, certain sects of the church and of the hunters who were instructed to, uh, go out and use all any force necessary to contain the spread of the disease, even if it looked like someone might be sick. Right. So they were instructed to basically go out and just wipe people out at willy nilly if they, if they saw fit. Um, so that's the first thing I wanted to mention is just like, wow, like I didn't think until doing research for this episode and, and getting ready to, to do this with you, Jacques, that like, this is like pretty, it's not like, a. I mean, it's a tale as old as time. Right. So it's not exactly like it's, it's a prophecy or like, you know, it's they not Stradamus. It. It's completely like, <laughs> They nailed it. Like, honestly, someone should be investigating from software. Right. Exactly. They, did they start it? Did they start COVID? Um, yeah, it definitely like feels that way. I mean, there's lots of like classic themes of like these supreme beings versus like kind of almost like demigod type of figures and mm-hmm. and then like the rest of us. Um, yeah. So it definitely feels like a it has a very small sense of like the privileged few sort of quality to it for sure. Yeah. Um, so I want to I want to I want to ask you uh, and get kind of a temperature check. Like like what what did you think of Bloodborne? Uh, give me uh, give me a little overview on your experience playing it and what you thought of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, overall, I love it. I like absolutely love the game. I uh, I first started playing it like a year and a half ago or maybe based on your talking about how it was maybe your favorite game of all time. And I never played from software and it was it was so hard and the beginning is so hard that I like I think it took me like ten hours to beat the first boss. And mm-hmm. <laughs> so I like really trudged through it and I got like two thirds of the way through and then I was like, I have to play something else. I felt like almost overwhelmed. <laughs> um, but I also I think I was under the impression that I was I was farther from winning than I actually was. And if I had mm-hmm. I was pretty close. But uh 
but I recently replayed it. My boyfriend was playing it and I was like, well, I can't have him beat it before I do. <laughs> and so <laughs> yes. I, uh, so I basically went and trucked through it and yeah, I just loved it. What I feel like I approached it this time, understanding how the game works in t- terms of like how you approach enemies and how you maybe run past them to get to the boss and how you basically how they want you to play the game. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's definitely one of the best of all time. I think it's like it it's so cohesive where the style of gameplay and the music and the graphics and the story and everything just fits together and you can't imagine any element of it being different really. Mm-hmm. Like like there's not like you can't like I feel like you play an indie game sometimes and you hear the music and you're like okay, this is all right. But in this game it's like it comes in and you're like this couldn't be different. Like there yeah. wasn't another way they could have done this. Yeah. It's um it really is a developer firing on all cylinders in a way. Like they found their hook and I feel like whatever whenever they found the hook being Lovecraftian horror, it's like it seems like every door in the world just opened up for them. Yes. The character design on the monsters is it's the best ever. It's so scary. And you think like playing it at a certain point, they're not going to have new ones that are going to be terrifying. And then they just like put a dog's head on a bird and you're like, okay, cool. It's worse. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about that. Yeah. The birds that just like scream at you. (laughs) Yeah. I like, yeah, there's a part where you just have to run past them. It's like a difficult part. And you like have to run past these things to get to the next mm-hmm. part. So you're constantly, mm-hmm. you're just, I had the doors open in my living room and I was playing it really mm-hmm. loudly. And then I just kept running by and just, you hear, rah, rah, rah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's just like, <laughs> I would hear my neighbors walk downstairs and I know they were just like, what the fuck? What the fuck is going on in there? <laughs> it's uh, yeah. You know, um, so, you know, it, it is October. Like, every episode this month is is sort of thematically scary, like, based on some sort of horror something, you know? And, yeah. uh, and, and this episode's no different. Bloodborne, um, we kind of talked about earlier, is, like, you know, low-key, like, one of the scarier games. Um, I think there's a couple of things in that work together to make that, to, like, accomplish that. One of them is, obviously, like, the environments, are incredibly gothic, uh, like Dickensian or Victorian era England. For sure. Um, uh, So that is one. Obviously, the character designs are very creepy and scary. Uh, The other thing is, um, like we talked about atmosphere, atmosphere being that it's like, um, you know, silent in the right parts. The sound design is really good. That, you know, the aesthetics of, of areas and the way they're designed are also really creepy. But one of the things that I always found to be so scary about Bloodborne, and and me and Connor talked about this a little bit on uh, Patreon.com/slash/SuperNPCRadio. We had our uh, we had an episode that was all about like uh, scariest things in video games, and um, one of the things I mentioned about the Souls games is like the the uh, I guess just like the very sparse checkpoints of the game and the hostility of the enemies make you feel like you you're so hesitant to trudge through a new area because you, you every everything is so hostile in the game that like li- like little enemies can kill you can really take you to task if you're not on your guard so yes. it really makes every area of the game at any level too like even if you're really experienced in the game you can still get murked by an early enemy if you're yes. not 
if you're not careful. So it's famously it, it, difficult. The game is so yeah. it's really hard. And yeah, your average yeah. enemy can kill you in like three hits or so. And so yeah. what Jeremy's talking about is exactly right. You're like, you get to a point where you're like, okay, this is the farthest I've been from this checkpoint. I've gotten a bunch yes. of these souls. So I could go back and like buy items and maybe level up and play it mm-hmm. safe and have to do this again. It's like, or I can keep going forward and the stakes mm-hmm. are high because you really don't want to die with all the stuff you've gotten. So you're sitting right. there like slowly moving and you're checking around <laughs> corners because they're always having guys <laughs> hiding around corners and you're just like yeah. so hesitant to go forward. And then one jumps out at you and you just like roll backwards and it's just the scariest thing in the world. Dude, I, it is, uh, it, they really landed on something sort of brilliant in that sort of like progression of flow where it's like, fuck like i really want to see what's behind this door or maybe what's down this elevator or whatever but i do have a ton of souls right now <laughs> i really need to level up my character but i may not be able to make it back here um one of my favorite things to do in that game is when you get when you get really fed up like say you have a ton of souls and you died yes. and and you lost them my favorite thing to do then is like when i respawn to just run full speed into a new area and just like like literally like it doesn't matter because i have zero souls now so it's like kill me if you want i don't give a fuck i just want to see what's in this room (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, i don't know if you ever took that approach to like a new area but um no yeah for sure it's like basically the way it works is when you get killed by someone when you come back to life you can run at them and if you kill them again you get your souls back and the souls allow you to buy items and level up and stuff but yeah, yeah it's like it's so sad when you die and you don't get back 70,000 souls or whatever. Oh, and you're just like, ah, yes. I could have yeah. leveled up twice. I know. I know. It's such a <laughs> bummer. Um, so, yeah, there is a there's a couple of unique things to this game that are even unique to like uh, Dark Souls, you know, other games by From Software. And one of those things, and I don't know if this is going to end up bridging us into a, a conversation about story or maybe just like premise, but like it's this idea of this balance between like insight and blood, right? Like right. there's like, there seems to be this like tug of war between uh, an, a very real game mechanic called insight in the game, which also has like a literal translation into the story. Right. Um, and then like uh, blood, which is right. also literal items that help you throughout the game that has a very like rich and deep history within the lore of the game. Um, so what in your like, what do you what are those things? Could you if you were to explain them, like what is the difference between them and how do they work? Oh, no. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, this, I, I, I can also like, I can also venture guesses too. Like, like it, it really is like the difference between, um, you know, like blood is like what heals you. It's like your health and stuff. right, like bl- yeah. And then insight is more like it's more. It it almost operates like mana, MP or something. I think that's right. And like uh, the idea of the blood is that like there's a whole storyline of like the blood of the old ones and the like mm-hmm. these like superhuman monsters and like transfusing their blood and all this stuff. And the illness itself is obviously a bloodborne illness. So mm-hmm. blood is this like theme through the game and it's like runs through the game. And you ba- even mm-hmm. like um, your uh, 
like some like your the, some of the weapons use blood and like mm-hmm. there's just like yeah it's it's all thematically like woven through the game how blood is so important and yeah, yeah. insight however is um the best way to describe it is awareness i guess but it is uh or knowledge but it is like t- tied very closely to an actual lovecraftian idea which is like a kind of hard to explain but it's like the closer you are to having insight, like the more like quote unquote mad you become or enlightened, depending on like what your interpretation of enlightenment, enlightenment sure. or becoming mad is. Right. Uh, th- there are a lot of like ideas in the game about eyes, right? Eyes yes. play a very big part in the game. I would say blood plays the most early role in the game. And then as it's, as the game very seamlessly and slowly, which like uh, how they do this is so incredible, but they slowly transition you from like a monster game into a Lovecraftian horror game. Right. So like the creatures go from being like werewolves to being like Cthulhu's and yes. like it does it very slowly and gradually um, yes. to where like you don't really, you don't, you didn't understand the game you were playing when you first started it. <laughs> right. Uh, it seems but, a little more. I, yeah. It seems a little more like yeah. almost like a typical monster story at first. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it's like it even with the Cthulhu influence, it's it's very like a unique story, I would say. And they like it does interesting things and the insight it um it gives you yeah, it allows you to like kind of like purchase superpowers and stuff like that and you get it from yeah. beating bosses. It it once again is just like woven into the game where it's like an item and a like thematic element. Mhm. Yeah, eyes become really important and like this idea that like I don't know if you spent any time reading like item descriptions but like a lot of the lore of the game comes from just literally reading the item description for like blood echoes and you know uh the madman's knowledge and stuff like that like right. if you read those things it'll tell you stuff like you know, there were people trying to literally line their brain with eyes so that they could elevate their thoughts. And, you know, what does that mean? And what really is insight? And, uh, and you know, Lovecraft famously, you know, most of his characters will go insane by the end of those stories because they are driven mad by knowledge, right. by, uh, by some sort of understanding of uh, a, a, the cosmos at large or things that exist within the cosmos and um i think the quote that opens the game up from lovecraft is very apropos which is like the something about the only thing you know the what we fear the most is what we don't know um and that seems to be sort of like the case throughout the game uh (laughs) insight has a very particularly clever mechanic which i think was the so i'm gonna i'm gonna mention this we can kind of talk about but this is the first time i realized bloodborne was special and it was there is an amount of insight you can hit right amount of growth you can have in that within that element that'll actually change like what you're able to literally see in the game which is crazy like i think if, if you hit 40 insight or something like that um you go back to the the town i believe uh it's the cathedral ward 
and you know out in the little courtyard you know there are buildings around and there are enemies and whatever well if you return having a certain amount of insight you look up at the cathedral ward and suddenly you notice that actually all the buildings have these giant <laughs> uh acorn headed um uh beings that are wrapped around the buildings like they're 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 oh larger God. than anything you've ever seen before. i mean they're 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 huge they're building sized beings i haven't seen that uh, i didn't even know that <laughs> oh really you've never seen that i haven't seen that i'm not even like, kidding like really yeah oh i guess i haven't God. been back to cathedral oh, ward yeah. in a while yeah um well cathedral ward is like where all of your like npcs hang out you know right yep um, and if you walk out that door and, and like, uh, this happens. So you can either get enough insight to suddenly see these beings. Like they're there the whole time. Like the right. beings just, they, they exist. But once you get enough insight, suddenly you're able to see them. But then once, uh, you beat, I believe it's the ROM, the vacuous spider. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like the whole game changes at that point. Yes. Um, the moon, the you're moon. able to just see them. Right. Like I think without didn't matter how much insight you have, like the whole landscape changed. So you right. never notice oh, these big amygdalas I, is what they're called. No, no, no. I have. I have. I guess I just didn't put it together with the inside element because I just saw it after the spider. I've seen that. I've seen them on on the buildings and stuff. Yes. OK. I just didn't okay. realize it was t- I, I missed that element, even though that makes sense with Ram with all the eyes and Willem's like pursuit of insight and everything right yeah ah, okay so there's cool. there's yeah yeah it's uh it's definitely it's baked into the actual like mechanics of the game and if you notice there's like all the enemies change too like yeah like they uh the, especially in the cathedral ward like those big like kind of giants like suddenly you'll see their lanterns are like covered in eyes and like mm. and like their eyes glow a different color and sure. like you're able to see things that you weren't able to see before I think that idea, once I saw that, I was like, oh, this game is really special. Right. Like, it has something to it that is, like, there's no reason for them to do that, right? There's no, like, uh, other than to just, like, oh, this has never been done before, and this is, like, such, like, a rewarding experience for the player to suddenly feel like, oh, man, the landscape... Because what it does is it betrays your uh comfort with certain areas of the game like so much of bloodborne is you you're so everything is so hostile you not you don't know the layout of an environment and when you finally master it all of a sudden like you're the king of that environment like it it rewards you in that way so when it the game changes it like suddenly you lose your footing and you're not sure like oh shit like this area i thought i knew i suddenly don't know anymore right for sure that's very true um, yeah. there's that one guy outside of cathedral ward who might be the scariest in the game to me, who just has the sack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Oh my God. He like, he takes you and he like puts you in the sack and then you wake up in a whole new spot in the game. And you're like, is this even in the same dimension? And you like, yeah. it's so terrifying. Yeah. Um, yeah. He takes you to Yarha ghoul, which is right. the, like the prison ward or whatever right and uh yeah so i mean i guess what were some of the most memorable experiences you had when playing the game like what are some what are some areas that you uh that really stuck out to you as like cool or special i mean that's Um, that's one but that's one for sure i liked uh i liked arriving at bergenworth 
and mm-hmm. seeing I just thought that like that building was really cool and seeing the Master Willem guy mm. who was very important um, and he was really cool and then just like the spider was really interesting to me and yeah. um, there's so many I, I feel like um, maybe visually and like feeling wise my and I feel like this game is very much like about the feelings it gives you but it's mm-hmm. uh, I forget the name of the boss when you enter that church and it's just like the, the spidery monster just like walking towards you and it's like oh. it's like trouncing down the hall at you and i was just like this is the yeah. most epic epic thing i've ever encountered in a game and they yeah. just had the, the huge church organs playing like the worst chords you've ever heard and <laughs> <laughs> you're just like yeah. oh god like even like yeah. the ninth ninth time i played it i'm just like oh no yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah what about you um I think for me, I'm trying to think of like literally what was my, uh, I'll give maybe an example of the main game and then one in the DLC because I feel like, to be honest with you, the DLC is just packed with so much goodness that I think does overshadow a lot of the main game. But it's like tough because I did play the main game first and the DLC and that's how you should do it because it is hard to go DLC and then go back to main game because I feel like they just really like hit a stride with DLC stuff. But um, in the main game, I think uh, for me, yeah, that whole Bergenware stuff, it is so cool because you just get out of that shitty forest and (laughs) it's so unlike any area you've been to like the school and it looks like a fucking school. It's cool. Like it really looks like there's books everywhere and there's like little like, weird scientific instruments and and globes um globes uh, globes galore and there's <laughs> like uh all these enemies are different they're all like uh flies with like a bunch of eyes you know on their on yeah. their heads and stuff and and then you open that door and you see provost willem just sitting there in his rocking chair and it's so like everything is so esoteric. Like they they don't hold your hand. All they do is they show him pointing to the moon, and you're supposed to know that means jump towards the moon, fall into the river, and then fight a giant spider. Like that doesn't that doesn't telegraph that to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Sure. I I thought I thought that was like that to me. Like that area just like really stands out. I think I think you're right. Um, also, another area that really stands out to me in the main game is the castle Canehurst. Did you did you mm. ever go to Canehurst? I did. Yeah, yeah. I went back so and I that, went to did, it. Yeah. Did you beat it? Did you beat like uh, the the guy? That I beat what's lives his face? There? Martyr Legarius. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because that That's, that so that was a big wall for me. My first playthrough. You mean in terms of beating that boss? Yeah. Or, in fact, yeah. my first playthrough, I didn't. I skipped him. I skipped. <laughs> I went and I did that because like he was too a, hard a week ago or so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Once again, my like and my then you meet. Yeah, yeah. Juan played him. My boyfriend played him, and then it was like, all right. Well, now I have to go do this. Like, are you? I just like I basically just like a competitive <laughs> yeah, bloodborne player, and I felt impelled to like. Mm-hmm. And you also like you said this, but it's like you want to see everything because everything is yeah. cool, and there's secrets, mm-hmm. and you can play a very streamlined version of the game if you want, but you really want to see everything and there's always little items for you around corners and you just like want to see it all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I love like when you finally meet the vile blood queen, like 
it's just like it's such a different idea that the game is telling you about it's like it's like hey there's all this stuff going on in the main game but also there was this weird other thing that was happening and it's it's actually kind of different than what's been going on and you can pursue it if you want but you also don't have to like and uh it ties into like alfred's story who's like a kind of a mysterious figure in the game like what is he, what is he all about right and um and yeah i think you can like i think what you end up doing is like proposing to the to the vile blood queen if you if you can <laughs> if you have the right items and then you're able and then you become a vile blood yourself which is like it's all just like very mysterious and what it means and it, it all has meaning but it's like it's like sort of like what you want to pull out of it like how much how much you want to learn about it is is maybe more the question yeah i think it's worth Um, talking about like the story in general and how it's presented and that it's it's like the definition of environmental storytelling where it's mm -hmm. it's very cryptic and there's only a couple moments where people are like here's a couple things you should know like um Mm -hmm. so a lot of it is like you piecing it together from items you find and like interactions and a lot of it's confusing at first but it also is one of those things where it's like you don't really mind when you're confused because the world is so intriguing and it's like yeah it's unsettling and like the feelings of the story like permeate the game so well that it's like you could get it without really understanding totally yeah i think i'm going to use a comparison piece of fiction to this game that i think really fits and it's you're not going to probably like it but uh i would compare it to harry potter in a lot of ways as being like um setting up this like world that sort of mimics the real world enough to where you can understand it but also has its own rules and um you know assuming that harry potter was a successful you know fantasy franchise for for kids uh you might assume that like it, d- it does a good job of making people really want to understand those rules and learn all of the different aspects of that world. Uh, right. And I think Bloodborne is like that. It does a good job of like, oh, like here is a fiction that is not so unbelievable at first. Like you're able right. to sort of get it. Like there's a church and then there's the, 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 the police and, and the townsfolk and there, and it's, there's a disease. Like it's not, it's not so hard to understand or compare into your real world but then it starts to like then you start to like realize oh there's like rules to this world like they found blood this blood belongs to like these ancient people um it has healing properties it also has maddening properties oh okay right. like you like you want to know more because it seems like they did their homework it seems like they kind of figured it out already right uh, yeah that's different yeah, you- than like a lot of fiction where it feels like they came up with a hook and then, you know, sort of started explaining from there. <laughs> right. Know? It's very much like, uh, there's like a, I feel like they sometimes talk with like movies and stuff about how some movies are mysterious and some are confusing and how yeah. it's like, it's annoying to be confused, but it's fun mm-hmm. to live in the world of mystery where you trust the creators know what they're doing and you like yeah. are happy to be in their hands. And it's a game that you're like, you're happy to be in their hands and like, let them kind of yeah. like take you along. Yeah. So I do want to get into this because I do think it is like probably my favorite aspects of Bloodborne the game. But like what if you were to like tell like what do you think is going on in Bloodborne? Like what do you think is happening? Like who are you and what is the game? Like what is the story of the game generally? Like what do you think happened? So there's this disease happening. 
it seems like you're, the story is very much like in Medias Res, like you're thrown into something that's been going on for a while. It seems like there's these monsters that have been left on Earth, whereas other ones have gotten away. And that there's these various factions of people competing to like reach a, like kind of like a God status or like mm-hmm. try and like become their own sort of like super beings. And they've mm-hmm. kind of all like failed in various ways for their own like ambitions or whatever. <laughs> there's, uh, I mean, there's a few different characters yeah. who seem to have like pursued different paths. Um, mm-hmm. There's my, attempted understanding uh what what, how would you how would you describe it yeah i think i think you nailed it i mean that's that is it essentially that's like the most broad way you could probably describe it without getting into the weeds of any particular character Um, right is that like yeah there is you know there was a problem it infected this community people handled it a bunch of different ways um, you happen to be a part of a faction that you will learn more about as as time goes on, but you're you're called a hunter, and right. a hunter has a very specific role in in the world of Bloodborne, and uh, th- you know that uh, no role is particularly good or bad. Um, no faction is necessarily good or bad by the merit of right. their own faction. Like you may, I mean, I think I have, I take umbrage with every single faction of, of Bloodborne. Yes. I think they're all, they're all flawed and bad in their own ways. Um, For sure. But yeah, the, the idea, the idea basically stems from, you know, a Lovecraftian idea that there were, there are these giant titan-like creatures called that we understand them as old gods. They are not interested in us. They don't care about us. They might not even be aware of our existence. They just exist. And sure. that might be the scariest thing of all. <laughs> that they, <laughs> they simply exist. And at one point, there were some of them here. And a lot of them are gone now. And a lot of their artifacts have been left behind. And humans un- trying to understand what they are is sort of the premise of the game is like, right. um, when one thing I think that's really cool that the game does is like it, it deals a lot in misinformation, but not in a way that's like intentionally trying to confuse you. It's just like people think and interpret things in this world differently within the game. Like you're told, you're told the beginning of the game, seek the pale blood and transcend the hunt. So let me ask you this. What, what is the pale blood? (laughs) Um, I, I don't know. I'm not sure exactly. You, you you go ahead. Yeah. Nor am I. Nor yeah. am I. Uh, I, I, I. In fact, if you look it up on Wikipedia, it, it famously doesn't really have an answer. There's like right. not even. There's not even like a necessarily a clear definition. There are things that are described as pale bloods, and then there's pale blood, and there might even be a pale blood. <laughs> right. But like the word is capitalized, which is weird. <laughs> right. So and maybe it, it's a maybe it's a person. <laughs> yeah, it kind of just feels like my goal when I was playing was like survive until the morning that was like that was like one of my like most base instincts yeah Um, what um i want to i want to talk though a little bit about like not to depart from the story but like we did what were some what were some more your favorite moments from the dlc like oh yeah so so i love in this game i'm a bigger i'm a bigger fan of the the more humanoid bosses 
than I am the monsters. Sure. Um, I love it. I love it all. But I just right. like I really liked like for example the 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 wit the witches the witch of Hemwick. I, I really mm-hmm. like that boss. Um, I think Father Gascoigne is like a huge uphill battle right at the beginning, which a lot of people really fucking hate. But once you get in, but once you actually like learn him, he's actually a pretty fun boss to fight. I think so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love. Um, so I love the humanoids. So the DLC, my favorite boss, I think in the entire game is Lady Maria of the Astral Clock really, Tower. That was awesome, like, dude. Her her like this her setup like her introduction is just so fucking cool like she's just sitting in a chair in a giant clock tower and it's like it's so crazy and she's like so beautiful and then she like comes out and then like like part of her move set is like that she'll kill herself over and over again like she uses self-sacrifice against you which is like really fucking dark and interesting. Uh, she also throws blood at you famously in that, which is yeah, like yeah. another like disgusting, crazy <laughs> aspect. But it's just like uh, whenever you fight a hunter in the game, it's always just so fun because like you, you're ultimately standing off against each other in this, like it almost feels like an authentic way of like, right. Like, like you'll strafe around each other for a while before anyone makes a move. And it's like, it's very much it like a classic sword like, fight. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I love Lady Maria. I think she's like the most well balanced. Like, I think German's okay too, but he's like, he. I think he's like a little overpowered in my opinion. Like, he's a little bit right. harder than I would have liked. Uh, like, or like his, uh, right. his moves are harder to like telegraph. Like his animations sure. are. But I think Lady Maria like really nailed it. And I Wait, think also on so that. Uh, I'll, I want to talk about Lady Maria for a second, though, too, while we're there. Yeah. I yeah, love the way please. they set her up in this really cool way where you're in this, like, hospital. And essentially, and there's all these horrible, like, human-beast-monster hybrids where they're, like, the human beings with these, like, huge blown-up heads, almost like balloons. And they're really mm-hmm. creepy. But they're all just, like... Where's Lady Maria? Where's Lady Maria? Yeah. Lady Maria, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. So you hear yeah. about this character before you meet her, and mm-hmm. she almost has this like mythical status in your mind, and you're like, you know, you're gonna meet her eventually. And so it's really yes. cool when they like they set her up this way for you play for like an hour, and then you like arrive at her, and she's just like sitting in this chair in this grand room. It's like so satisfying. Oh, it's so awesome. Yeah, yeah. she's. And like the more you learn about Lady Maria too, she's also like one of the most altruistic characters in the game. Like that's a that's like she's actually not an evil character. She just is dead set on stopping you, right? Who might be an evil character? Maybe sure. not. Maybe are. But she, you know, she's one. She's like a defactor of the of the church. She like right. went away from it. In fact, uh, I don't know if you found this, but. When you get into the fishing hamlet, which is the area right after Lady Maria, uh, and you go down into the well, if you beat those two monsters in there, one of them drops a Rakuyo, which is her sword, her like double bladed sword. And if, if you read the description on there, it's like this was Lady Maria's sword. She was so disgusted by what was going on that she threw her sword down this well. <laughs> Oh wow! Cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. So the two guys uh, who give you the um the frenzy. Um. About- they. 
They're, no, they're like in the fishing hamlet. You know those big, really hostile, like they're like, like frogs, kind of ogres. Kinda? ogres? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, where they like jump at you mouth first. Yeah, um, th- it's those. There's like two of those things down a well, and like it's just so fucked up. Like you go down the well, right? Like one of them is like so hard to kill. So you you're you're like climbing a ladder down this well, and if you like turn your camera around, you see one is just hanging upside down on the ceiling. Like it's just waiting, like it won't move. And then when you get all the way down, there's one like walking around. And once you get to where that one is about three, uh, has only about one quarter of its health left. The second one will fall from the ceiling and attack you. Oh my God. And so you have to suddenly (laughs) fight like two at once. And it's just like, it's so fucking hard. And like, yeah. Yeah. Um, but what about you? What is some of, uh, your favorite stuff from the DLC? Yeah, I agree about Lady Maria and that whole sequence. Um, I also just loved when they had the like those kind of like um, almost normal monstery bad guys you would play in the game when you play the DLC and they're afraid of you and they don't attack you. And it very much puts you it's they haven't done this the whole game. Every monster has attacked you. And then you get to these people and you're like, oh, I'm the bad guy. I mean, it would sound so trite, but it's like (laughs) when I say it, but in the game that like the monsters are so scary for them to once now be like hiding from you. It's like, it was so effective. I was like Mm -hmm. struck by it. Um, Another thing I really loved that I think one of the best things this game does that I don't think about a lot is it's almost like well-directed in terms of like the blocking and where the characters are. Like there's yeah. that scene in Bergen or Bergenworth when you're like approaching this bridge and all of a sudden mm-hmm. you see these two little frog monsters like pop their heads up and then they jump mm-hmm. down at you and just like mm-hmm. the way it's like sequenced at you. It's so scary. Yeah, there's that there's the moment in the DLC where you like walk out and you see the shadow of a hunter like yeah. you can't see the actual hunter, but you see a shadow. So you're like. You just approach it with such dread. You're like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think yeah. I, the game does that sort of thing so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It really yeah. is like a cinematic sort of like in, in a way that like I appreciate games like The Last of Us that are like very linear, linear and cinematic and like take take control away from you to show you something cinematic. But right. this game never takes control away from you. Um no. In fact, it only really has like a couple of like full motion video cutscenes in it. And right. um, I think it's funny that like earlier you mentioned like, uh, you know, sometimes the game will take a break to tell you like, hey, you should know this thing. And I found like all of their little cutscenes like to be more confusing. Like they confused <laughs> me more every time. Yeah. Like the first one you get is of Master Willem and Lawrence, like where they're talking after you beat Vicar Amelia. And like what they say is, uh, you know, something of like, about you know, Master Lawrence is bidding farewell to Master Willem. And Master Willem says, you think now to betray me. And he <laughs> says, no, but you will not listen. And then they, he says, we are born of the blood, made men by the blood, undone by the blood. Our eyes are yet to open. And then they say, fear the old blood together. And then like, <laughs> you're like, what does any of that mean? Who are these people? <laughs> like, you, don't, you don't, you don't really understand the implications of that, but it's in that moment that 
the 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 school at Bergenworth split and became two different things. It was now the school at Bergenworth and the Healing Church. The Healing Church right. is what Master Lawrence started, um, right. and that's why he is, of course, there in the DLC where Vicar Amelia used to be. Right, um, he's lounging on that chair. He's like, yeah. he's got his leg up on the armrest. Yes, like de- yeah. dead, not dead, and you're just like, right? Uh. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was actually, and the, and the, I was thinking of, I was thinking of the guy outside of the cathedral who's just like, this is the one time the game was kind of helpful. I thought he was like, mm-hmm. Bergenworth. I'll be tell you, Bergenworth is the school, and like he mm-hmm. like he yeah. just actually gives you a little backstory, and I was like, okay, thank God. Uh, yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, yeah. Uh, the fishing hamlet, I think, is like probably one of the most well-designed areas of video games ever. Like, I think yeah. it it's also like one of the most unique areas I've ever played in a game. Like, um, just like a, a mucky, murky, swampy kind of area that's full of fish people. Like, I don't know. I like I if you would have pitched it to me, I would have said oh, I don't want to play it. Something like that. <laughs> but when when you actually get there, it's like, oh yeah, this is the greatest thing of all time. Like it's so yeah. gross, and uh, the implications of like what happened there are like really dark. Like yeah, super dark. the the raininess too, which is somehow mm-hmm. something that hadn't really been done in the game. It just was like, mm-hmm. yeah, it was so unpleasant. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, did you in a uh p- did pleasing horror way? Did you notice that the fishing hamlet actually sits above uh the the city that you had just like gone through? Kind of. I was I remember like looking down and being like it, it's interesting cuz you'd think it would be like on the base in the sea or whatever, but I remember being mm-hmm. like I did notice it was like higher above other stuff, yeah. Yeah, if you look in the water when you first walk into the fishing hamlet, if you look down into the water, you'll see the entire bloodborne map is beneath you. You can uh, see all the buildings yeah. underwater. Cool. And um, when you're in the hospital, all of the patients complain that they hear like a dripping sound. Um, mm. There's like water dripping constantly. It's because they're below the fishing hamlet. It's always dripping water oh from my- the oof. Yeah. Uh, it's got super it. creepy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you, when you first got to the fishing hamlet, did you, you, did you run into that NPC who's like harmless? He's just like walking and like mumbling stuff. Yes. Was, yeah. That guy, he saying? he'll tell, he'll tell you like basically what the DLC is about. Like he, he says like, you know, um, he, he's like calling um, the people from Bergenworth murderers. He's saying, right. And he's calling for a curse upon them by mother cause and uh, for the crime they did to the wizened child. And Mm, uh, mm -hmm. so it's all leading towards this big fight with the orphan of cause, who's the child that he's referring to. But there was like, there was definitely like something terrible happened there where they like, they came into this community. They, they killed a bunch of the locals and dug into their skulls, trying to find eyes and stuff. And then they like just, completely like snatched this orphan child away from this great one who washed up on the sea. And, uh, it was like, it was, and that's like the, the inciting incident that causes Maria to like go against them finally. Right. Uh, and German's like a big part of it and stuff. And like, um, 
Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's like there's like endless amounts of like Easter eggs and like lore to like uncover in the game. Like, yeah, for example, like there's this like notion that prolonged use of blood will actually cause like your right leg to uh, fall off. (laughs) And like they never say that. But like if you look like German's like in a wheelchair and like one of his like if you look closely, like there are characters who are missing like one leg or have like a ribbon tied around one leg because right. of prolonged use of blood. It's like, <laughs> it's just like, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. And it's, I can't just to like say this again, you could play this game and not really understand these details at all. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot that I missed, but it's like the feeling and the emotion of the story is like, so well woven into everything. Um, mm-hmm. We haven't even talked about the gameplay. No. And like we the mechanics of fighting. <laughs> we yeah. should. Yeah. It's um. how, I mean, how it's would you good. describe it? Yeah. I'll describe good. it as good. <laughs> yeah. It's good. It re- and there's a lot of good choices. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's great. It's like, uh, it's essentially, it's fairly simple in terms of like an attack and a roll. Mm-hmm like a dodge or not necessarily a roll, but like a dodge move and it's very hard. It falls into the dark Souls style and it's incredibly satisfying to get good at. It's fun when you're just like parts that were previously tricky. You're like, I can just traipse through this now and you become, you become awesome in a way that like is one of the most satisfying experiences in video games. And I loved getting good at it. Yeah, me too. Um, so yeah, every weapon uh, that you get in the game, which you get, um, I, there's a lot of weapons, which is really cool. Like I, I, yeah. anytime there was a new weapon, I, I wanted to go use it right away just to see what it was like. Uh, right. Because they're like so fun and unique to each other, but they all have like two modes. So like, for example, that like my, I think my first weapon I ever played with was the axe. And sure. the axe's two modes are like, it's a handheld axe with your gun. So there's like always a mode where you can have your pistol or a, sh- or a shield later on, but really just a pistol is like for yeah. most of the game um, or a blunderbuss. Cause of course it's like that kind of like uh, what would you call that style of uh, like, uh, like final fantasies are like similar style. What, what is that called? Like um, it's like steampunky it's like steampunky. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all very steampunk driven, but the, the name blunderbuss like, is, is all- so good. Blunderbuss. Yeah. 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 The, but then the ax, if you want, can, can turn into like a, a two handed, uh, wielding ax that is like way more powerful, but way slower. What was your main weapon that you, that you went with? I also did, I did, I did the ax and blunderbuss through the main game and I would take little veers off to play with new weapons, but I did the ax and then for the DLC, I switched to Ludwig's holy blade. Ooh, um, yeah, which I really liked, and I was like, I want to give this its due. Um, yeah, but I think the weapons are one of the best things about it because you could replay the game with a different weapon, and it's almost like a completely different game. It is a completely different game. In fact, you can find resources online that will teach you how to how to make like really unique builds um, of characters. Mm. So you can like literally, and there's so many great outfits to pick in the game. Like uh, not to I like. Love them. 
but yeah, they're like, yeah, you can like mix and match outfits and like it, like there's a whole thing on Reddit called fashion born, which is like people like, <laughs> like showcasing their like, they're like cool, cute outfit that they made for themselves. I love um, it. I have my wolf yeah, hat on. Yes. Oh yeah. You got the wolf hat. Yeah. That's a good I one. Great. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 the, uh, the combat is very like aggressive. It it wants you to be aggressive, and this is actually different than a, a Dark Souls game, which it wants you to play defensively. So Dark Souls has this uh, mechanic where if an enemy attacks you, you can parry them and then, uh, and then go in for a, like a kill. But for the most part, you're supposed to like block and wait for an opening and then attack. Bloodborne teaches you very early. Well, first of all, Bloodborne doesn't give you a shield right off the bat, so it's already right. tele- telegraphing to you. This is a different game. You you cannot block in this game. Um, right. It wants you to go in swinging. It wants you to and and uh, and uh, often you will be more successful in in any endeavor in Bloodborne if you come in aggressively as opposed to trepidatiously. So 100%. what this and and instead of a shield, it gives you a gun. So the gun offers you the parry mechanic, which is right before an enemy attacks you, you can shoot it right in the in the gut, and it will fall down, and then you could going for like a killing blow. Um, did you use the parry mechanic a lot? Um, what's funny is I like didn't use it at all until I got to the final boss. And then I was like, all right, it's time for me to like learn this mechanic because it seemed important <laughs> against him. So I You're literally right, didn't, yeah. I didn't do this entire part of the game, the visceral mm-hmm. attack, uh, until, uh, I got to Garamin at the end and I like yeah. then learned it. What about you? Yeah. Yeah, I, it was tough to pull off, but there were some bosses, especially hunters, that sure. um, uh, I felt like I just had to learn it at some point. And I think I learned it. I learned it earlier on than the final boss, but it was like later on in the game because you can actually play a lot of the game without doing visceral attacks. Um, right. It's just it's just way harder. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you and don't learn like, it, it's it's a really high stakes move because it's like you have to time it just right or you get nailed. And getting hit mm-hmm. any and getting hit at all in the game is really bad. Yeah, yeah, it's really bad. Um, and yeah, this this game is different than like, uh, like for like a Devil May Cry, which is like like your your like your attack animation once it starts, you can't cancel out of it. So you and even though we're talking about you know a, a one second maximum for an attack animation to like pull off. That's still an incredible amount of time when you're being swarmed by all these enemies. So you have to be really careful about certain attack moves. Like if you have a heavier weapon that needs some more wind up. So you need to give yourself more time because you, they can cancel you out of it by hitting you and killing you, but you right. can't cancel out of it to like dodge away suddenly. For sure. Um, I was a big fan of the jump axe move, like jump yes. at them with the axe. Yeah. I really mm-hmm. rocked the R2. I really rocked. Oh that. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> that and the, uh, and the big swing, the like, yes. the, the, the big, uh, helicopter swing with the axe. I feel like hundred percent was really, was really effective. I, I did. I ended up playing the game again all the way through with the, um, whatever the, like the whip sword is you can get oh, at the cool. beginning. Yeah. Which was like, um, or I guess it's like a, it's like a cleaver that can, that also has like a whip attack. Right. Um, and it was great. It, it, it was just, it, again, though, whole different ballpark, whole different game. 
Um, right. You approach every enemy way differently. Uh, you know, it's like some bosses I found to be like really easy with the axe, whereas some were really tough with the the cleaver. Um, but there are a lot of great weapons in the game. One of them is called a tonitrus, which is like an electric mace that ends up yeah. being like one of the better weapons in the game and, and really effective against certain bosses. Uh, another, another weapon that's like that is I think, uh, I think you get it from Jura in the, in old Yarnum. It's like the fire. It's like a, it's like a fire thrower or a flame thrower. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, didn't, I haven't played with that one. Yeah. I liked all those, like they, they, they were like spring loaded spears that would like attach to your wrist and stuff. Like those, mm-hmm. those were like a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's and I just love that it also takes you a long time to get like a traditional sword <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. Uh, there's so many weapons. There's like, yeah, you could play the game with a completely different style, which is why I'm so excited. I can bring my save to PS5 because I just like yeah. I can't wait to replay the game again and again with different weapons. Me too. And and in doing so, you'll discover more and more about the game as well. Um, who? uh yeah, we should also mention too that there are like there are different types of enemies you encounter that require different skill sets from you. You know, the hunters are are more like a chess game when you're fighting them. Like, right. you're really like looking for subtle animations to like tell you like what their next move is going to be and what and what your next move is going to be. Uh, and then there's like just huge beasts who yeah. are way harder to figure out and like way more unwieldy. Um, but they have, there's, there, there's like a bigger space there for you to attack. So I don't know. What was your approach with like the bigger monsters? I think it was, that was a lot of like learning and I would like play defensively for a little while and try and like mm-hmm. see like, okay, they're going to attack three times this way. And then they jump and it's like finding where you can do like a charge up R2 attack on them and like yes. really mess them up was so satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you get really good at dodging at the last second as you play the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and dodging is great in this game. Yeah. It's instantaneous and like, it kind of makes you mm-hmm. invincible for that brief moment. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. What about you? It was, uh, it was running into their body and then trying to get around to their ass and then just wailing on the, their backside. That was always my, my approach and it works out for some of them. And then some of them like the dark beast parl is like an example of like, Oh no, like he, I believe I killed him with maybe only Molotov cocktails. Like it was just like throwing fire at him the whole time. (laughs) Sure. Uh, But yeah, I mean different, yeah, different enemies were just kind of require, a little bit different uh, of a, of an approach. Um, amazing bosses throughout. Yeah. yeah, amazing bosses. Uh, who who was your favorite boss at the end of the day? Um, that's tough. I think I'm like you. I liked the hunters a lot because it felt mm-hmm. like maybe more on even. F- it, it was just interesting. They were like Maria was amazing. I did yeah. really like Lawrence though. I thought yeah. Lawrence was fun with all the flames and stuff. Yeah, uh, that was cool. I liked I the, the bosses also like they take on like a second form typically throughout maybe even a third and they just become right. like different. I liked I liked the way Lawrence just became like worse almost. He like is mm-hmm. like cut in half and he's like dragging himself along and stuff. It was like yeah. it was honestly like kind of sad. <laughs> yeah. Was, uh, 
It was interesting. Yeah. Lud, uh, Ludwig, the accursed, is uh, a particularly sad boss where I think they even give you the option because at the end, it's just his head is on the floor and it's talking yeah. to you. And right. you, you actually have the option to like lie to him and then he'll die like peacefully thinking he did the right thing. Or you can tell him the truth about what happened. And he's like, it like just breaks his heart. <laughs> and it's, it's like really sad. <laughs> yeah. The game has like almost no humor. Like there's yeah. a couple things, <laughs> but it's, it's oddly like, cause I normally don't like things that are so serious in mm-hmm. typically in fiction and stuff. Right. It's like, the only humor will be like you picked up a pebble. You can throw it at something quite thrilling. Yeah. And you're like, you're like, that's like almost the most humor you get. I mean, there's some like a little bit of dark humor, but like, do you, you know what I mean though? It's like, there's almost none. Yeah. yeah. It's not, it's not funny. It, it, it like, it takes itself very seriously and it is very serious. What's happening. Uh, what is, who are, do you have any favorite characters at all? Anybody memorable from the game you liked? Or anybody who is the most hmm. interesting character to you? Um, that's a good question. Uh I was curious about Garman and the doll I found interesting. I liked yeah. uh their whole relation the doll is so creepy, but also yeah. kind of sad. And you're just like Yeah. I liked Hmm. I'm not sure. Not sure. Yeah, there, there's a uh, speaking of Garman and the doll. That is like an aspect of the game that I think is like r- really tough to stomach. Like, so a couple of things about that whole deal. Like when you get into the hunter's workshop or in, in the hunter's dream, like all of the books are like how to how to like impress fair maidens. It's like they're all like uh, they're all like dating books. Which yeah. uh, did you notice that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's super yeah, dark. So it's that, very much like it's like it's like Garman's kind of like what what was that uh, the the player guy on MTV who had that dating show like Miss Mystery oh, yeah. or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Garman's like, like uh, the the first incel, um, <laughs> and uh, and the doll like the doll is like a sex doll basically. And, uh, you, 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 this gets confirmed in the game. You, you actually find the location of the hunter's workshop in the game. So like when you're in the dream, that's like a dream. That's like a dream state. Right. Uh, when you're in the real world, you can actually go to your location where the dream is taking place. And there's a doll that's just like lifelessly there. And it just says like it, this doll has been well used up (laughs) and it's like, yeah, it's like the implications there are like so disturbing like what the doll yeah. is. Um, and Garmin uh, is like this character who is kind of helping you along the way, but ends up being like the final boss. And uh, there's a lot of ways to interpret Garmin, but like basically like he holds an umbilical cord himself. Like he is somebody who at some point, like he asks a great one to come help him, you know, kind of mad with power. He, at, he like calls one and that and that um that great one ends up imprisoning him like inside the hunter's dream and there's this like little piece of dialogue that um it's like really easy to miss but in the hunter's dream like 
Garman will like either be there or not. Sometimes he'll be there. Sometimes he won't, but sometimes he'll just like be off in like the, the, uh, the flowers. Like he'll like be behind a tree, just like sitting there. I don't know if you ever noticed that. Yeah. But, um, I don't know if you got, got that piece of dialogue where he's, he's crying. Did you hear that? No. Yeah. So you can, you can like kind of walk up on him while he's like, he's like sitting, like sometimes he's asleep, but sometimes he's, he'll be like crying. And, what he says is, Lawrence, Master Willem, help me. Unshackle me. I've had enough of this dream. The night blocks all sight. And 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 he's like crying this old man cry. That I, I, it's so awful. <laughs> it's like so yeah. disturbing. Um, but basically, he's just like praying for death. He's like praying to get out of this situation that he's in. This like perpetual um, dream nightmare. Yeah. And I understand that the ending you got was... Uh, you know, there's there's like three different endings to the game. You can interpret them different ways. Uh, you got the one where you become the new German, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's the middle ending. That's the uh, that's if you oppose German and, and kill him. <laughs> there's this hilarious option to like, what is what is like he asks you a question and it's like, mm-hmm. what does he what does he say? It's like there's one where you're just like. You could just be like, yeah, I, I, I'm done. Like, or like, yeah. mm-hmm. you, you could basically be like, yeah, he's I'm like, done. He's like, let me what? kill you. Yeah. Yeah. And you're just like, you could be like, yeah. And then the game just like ends. <laughs> yeah. He, he, and that's, and that's honestly, so I think that's a valid ending. Like to me, the implications of that ending are he like decapitates you and then you wake up in the real world. Like you wake up from the dream. Right. Um, And to me, that's actually like, kind of the happiest ending because the other two <laughs> endings are one is you become him <laughs> which, yeah, is, which not is not good. good right yeah and the and the other one is if you get all of the umbilical cords and then you fight the Amigdala. the great one that comes down um you end up becoming an infant great one you end up becoming like a, a little like squid and right. the doll will pick you up and it's stated that like you are going to transition humanity into its next childhood. <laughs> so like it's kind of like a 2001 space odyssey ending or something. It's like right. we're ushering in the new humans. And you feel like the cycle will probably continue again. Yeah, well no, I think I think in that ending it's like the implication is that like humanity is like now over. Like we're going to go, we're going to become something else now. I think the one where uh, the cycle continues is if you become Garmin. Like then then it's like right. the cycle continues and you keep perpetually having uh people people be your hunters for you. Right. Hmm. Well, you know, I mean again we could talk about this all day. There's so much about the game. There's so many cool like little secrets and Easter eggs. I guess that is one like last question. Like, did you find anything like discover anything on your own that like made you feel like, like, whoa, like, like really wowed you. Like I haven't, I have like one example. I'll, I'll maybe I'll like share like as like a last thought, but like, is, is there anything else about the game? Like you wanted to share that like really impressed you or anything that you found along your journey that you were like, I don't think I, you know, this isn't, this wasn't part of like the main critical path. Like I went off the path and I discovered something huge. 
I'm not sure if I have something that would be like a satisfy that's super satisfying in that regard that I can mm-hmm. recall. So why don't why don't you go ahead? Why don't you go ahead? Well, there is this uh, this thing about when you wake up in the in the hospital, right, or where, wherever you wake up, where they have like just transfused you with with blood. Um, uh, you wake up in this like room. It's it's sort of like a hospital, uh, and you uh, can go up. Uh, some stairs and there's a closed door and when you knock on it there's like a woman behind the door and she'll tell you like um you know she'll basically just like tell you like oh i can't let you in i wish i could but i i can't you know right um and so you go about the game and whatever it happens happens and then if you go back and you like revisit that area um you can talk to that nurse again and uh, the nurse will ask you, hey, like, uh, if you meet anybody out there who's, who is lost or seems unsafe, bring them here. Send them to me. Um, huh. be- because, uh, you know, and, and I'll keep them safe. Um, but of course, like, there's like a twinge of something in her voice that doesn't feel right. So later on in the game, if you break up, you can like actually get up into her area through a, through a broken window. Um, like a, like a, a path will send you into that area. And when you get in there, you know, all those like alien like creatures, those like little bodied big head creatures. Yes. Yes. So like the whole, the whole wing of that hospital is like kind of covered with them and they're not hostile. They don't really like hurt you. They just like kind of walk around and if you go to like the door um, where you would have knocked, uh, there's like one of those creatures that's just standing there by the door. And uh, in a room, you'll find uh, her name's like uh, Iu Sefka, the nurse. Uh, and yeah. she ends up being like a hostile boss. Like one of the umbilical cords comes from her. Like she, and like you can like, yeah. and you can like fight her and kill her. Um, so basically what she was wanting you to do was send people to her pretending like it was like a place where she was going to help them, but really she was doing experiments on anyone you send over there. (laughs) So, so she was like turning everyone you sent there because you can send people like around in the game. They'll like ask you like, where can I go? Um, and people, uh, like mind the content in the game and found out that, uh, the nurse you talk to in the very beginning of the game is a different voice actress than the one you end up talking to a little bit later in the game, posing as that same nurse. Ah. So the implication there is that at some point that nurse who may not even really be a nurse, who may just be a psychopath, <laughs> broke in, killed that woman and started doing experiments right. in that wing. <sighs> and it's that kind of stuff <laughs> that makes me yeah. really appreciate the game. Cause yeah, there's so much attention to detail. I didn't even, yeah, I didn't even experience that. And I played the game like 70 hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's definitely more stuff like that in the game. Uh, I, this is definitely one that I would recommend everybody play, play it multiple times. There, there, you'll never, there's no end to the amount of stuff that you can discover in it. Uh, Jacques, thank you so much for coming on and like, yeah, talking about so, this game. I know I, I expected to keep talking for like three more hours. 
<laughs> There's yeah, so I mean, much. We totally I could. feel like I learned so much even just talking to you. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Because uh, yeah. the game is just like, there's so much. There's so much to it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Also, uh, my yeah. recommendation to anyone playing it, when you go up an elevator and you know you're probably going to die, press mm-hmm. the button down, right? And then roll right off. So it's waiting for mm-hmm. you at the bottom. Oh, just yeah. A little, totally. Just a little tip. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Um, also, if you if you go into an area that's really hostile, but you can see that there's items there, run and go grab them because you get to keep the items even if you die. Yeah. So good call. Yeah. So like, there's like rooms <laughs> where like, oh, I just need an item from here. I don't ever want to come back in this room. I'll just go right. in there and go die real quick. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. uh, it's a great game cool. full of lots of spooks and scares uh, j- uh, jumps woes uh, big yeah. uh, scary times and uh, Ichiwawas. Ichiwawas, uh, uh <laughs> yeah I I, uh, I think it's great and by the way the game is like for free most of the time it's like it's been a PS Plus game I think yeah. twice and like I think the whole game is like 20 bucks with DLC so um, yeah. Treat yourself to some Bloodborne. Jacques Maladu, where can people find you? Um, I am on Twitter at Jacques Ness, and I make videos f- under the name Important Works and with my comedy group Wellington. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did yeah. you say the name was that you make videos under? Uh, it's called Important Works. Important um, Works. Okay, cool. Yeah, I've made several short films and dumb YouTube videos. I put my pretentious videos on Vimeo and my more lighthearted fun ones on YouTube. That seems to be the way it goes. That seems to be the <laughs> the right move. Uh, you can follow yeah. me on Twitter at Ocarina of Crime. You can follow the show on Twitter at VGA Comedy Show. If you like what you hear and you want a lot more bonus content by the creators of this show, shows like Call Me By Your Game or Inside Video Games with July, you can visit patreon.com slash super NPC radio. We have a lot of uh, stuff... Uh, in the can coming out every week multiple episodes a week on that patreon all of them horror themed for the month of october so if you dig that kind of stuff uh me and connor through our super npc show have covered silent hill 2 our our biggest video game fears our biggest video game industry fears and uh the luigi's mansion series also me and uh, michael mccaller have covered uh, we're like uh, 60% through the first novelization of the Resident Evil book series, which is just a fucking wild ride. I'll, I'll tell you that right <laughs> now. And we just started covering uh, games in the series uh, chronologically. So if you want more stuff like that, uh, visit patreon.com slash super NPC radio. And uh, with that, you know, um, have fun. Uh, have, have a nice hunt. <laughs> Have a good hunt. <laughs>